Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can find us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And if you would like to, we are trying to dabble in the world of Instagram now. So you can find us on Instagram as well. Thundercast underscore pod. How creative are we? Um, it's a little bit of what we like to call around here brand cohesion. It's the theme with the Marshall Thundering Herd as we enter the Sunbelt era, and it's going to be the theme with the Thundercast as well as we continue to grow and spread out into new uh, ventures on in the online world. But look, the series of position group breakdowns is going to continue this week with the really, really important position of quarterbacks, which will also bring an end to the position group breakdown series as we look forward to a week one preview, season predictions, and all that good stuff, which will be coming up next week. Um, but before we get into everything else that we have going on surrounding herd athletics, which also involves our teams finding their way back to the fields of competition, officially in the Sunbelt era now, let's get a quick word from our sponsors, 304carrec.com. If you've been injured in a car wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. What happens when an Ohio driver crashes into a West Virginia driver in Kentucky? That can be a mess. But if you can dream it up, Jason and Matt have probably been there, done that, and gotten their clients paid. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. Contact Jason and Matt at 304carwreck.com. It was a... Busy week in herd athletics once again, both with our field or our teams on the competitive fields and a lot of stuff going on involving fans. So we're going to get into a lot of that stuff. So Russ, let's start it off and get right into it with five things every herd fan needs to know this week. All right. And as usual, these are always brought to you by Ignite Link, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one. There's been a reorganization of the leadership slash executive team in the athletic department. Now, I'm not going to go over every single one of these, but one of the first episodes this year, we let you guys know that longtime quote unquote CFO David Steele was retiring. We have gone over several different uh, additions and people leaving uh, the athletic department. So these are on Herd Zone. It's also been on Twitter. There's uh, several internal people have been bumped up, uh, went from being an athletic or assistant uh, athletic director to an associate for a couple of different people, uh, new additions that we've covered on here. So big change. And what do you think about it? Yeah, there's a lot of big changes, of course. And, and, and we talked about a lot of these as they happened, right, as, as certain folks were hired or mm -hmm. we heard about certain people retiring and changes were going to be made. And, and we heard names floating around and we thought might be replacing certain people that were moving on. So this is just kind of bringing it all together. Um, a lot of this stuff that if you've been listening to the show, it comes as no big surprise to you, but it's nice to see 
the recognition of some of our folks that have been performing at high levels, get that bump up in title and everything that goes along with that. So not only is this, I guess, I mean, of course, they're calling it a reorganization of leadership, but I think it's, you know, also tightening the operation, right? It just, it, it, it's bringing uh, the Marshall Athletic Department into a new era as we all enter into a new era. So some of these things are needed. You know, we're, we, don't, we don't operate in a 1990s world anymore. We operate in uh, the 2022 world. So an update across the board at some of these titles and some of these responsibilities as the, as the landscape has changed just in the world in general, not even talking about college athletics. We just needed to reorganize and and tighten the ship, so to speak. So now everybody has a more defined role. They know exactly what they're supposed to do. Uh, it's 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 very much in the move of you know getting the boat going in the same direction. Everybody's rowing in the same direction, and not that we weren't doing that to a certain extent, or you know, really in a large extent in the past. But for the first time in a long time, at least from a as a, from a fan perspective, my perspective. It feels like we are more in unison now than we have been in a really, really long time. Yeah, and a lot of these, uh, too, you talked about updating and kind of a rebranding. Rodney Casey's position, for example, you know, it's digital content and brand management is what he's the assistant athletic director for. And traditionally, we had three people in the SID, Sports Information Department. This, this is kind of like when you read down here, several different people are responsible for different sports like the, the old SIDs were, but it's mixed amongst a larger pool of people. Uh, and also you have this specific digital content and brand management new title. And we discussed this when he was hired, like you mentioned, but it's a new age, a new era. And yeah, you can tell the focus that he's putting on all of this stuff already. And that's, I mean, social media and online presence is huge for, for your brand. Of course it is. This is, this is how people consume. I mean, it's the whole reason that we exist, right? right. We're, we exist because folks consume their information in different ways. It's, it's not just about watching the news on television anymore at six o'clock or 11 o'clock. It's not just about picking up the newspaper every single day and reading what's in print every day. It's about those things too, but on a much smaller scale compared to what it was 25 years ago. Now it's real time, real time reactions, social media, you know, to call it social media, I believe is a real underscoring of what it actually is. This is a business model. Like this is a business. It's, it's not just, you know, people sharing pictures with one another or chatting online. That's social media. But when you talk about athletic teams, that that's a, that's an arm of their business, right? I mean, you've got ad revenue that gets generated from your interactions and all this kind of stuff. So you have to embrace the the media age and if you don't then well i mean <laughs> do we even need to talk about the consequences of that of course not right. so this is a very important thing and and i think now you know it's always the right time to get it right but now more so than ever when we continue to say you only get one chance to make a first impression and this is marshall's first chance to make a first impression 
in a new conference in this digital age, like this predominantly digital age, uh, now's the time. You just have to do it. And uh, Ben Ashford, BA, as uh, he's always known around here, was mentioned in this article, but also an accompanying article that just came out and days later about the reorganization and changes to the sports performance staff. So as he got moved up to assistant athletic director for strength and conditioning for Marshall, you know, they kind of pulled some other people up as well. So both of those articles you can find on Herdzone, you can find on Twitter if you're interested in finding each and every one of the changes. Um, a lot of good stuff, and I am loving the direction that we're going. Onward and upward, man, everything's looking great. All right, number two is Football Fan Day. Just happened yesterday as we're recording here on Sunday. And I was able to go, and wow, it was really fun. And if anyone saw my personal Twitter remarks about the players, they could not have been nicer, more fan-friendly, accommodating out in the blazing heat, even though, you know, we were on the concourse, so we were in the shade. Those guys sat out there and wrote their names a 100 times each for every single fan that went by, and they smiled and thanked everyone for coming the entire time. Well, I mean, I don't envy that. <laughs> you know, it's always nice when you can interact with your fans, but doing it, you know, in the blazing heat and having to, um, you know, set, set there. It, it's one thing to have a, a couple of minutes worth of an interaction, but to do it sitting there constantly for an hour and stuff like that, it, I know it can get uh, cumbersome, especially when it's just unbearably hot. So you it's it's just really nice to know that our guys are are willing to do that and uh, probably just enjoyed it, even though you know it was hotter than the gates of hell. Uh, they probably enjoyed it, you know, because there's a lot of smiles across various social media pages. It's it wasn't like uh, you know in the backgrounds of photos there were guys that were just like hating being there. It, everything that I saw, everybody was pretty cheerful. So and and it's always good to. I mean, who doesn't like to interact with like younger fans, you know, because uh, that 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 makes kids like month, you know, you've been looking all month, all for looking forward to it all month. To, you know, I'm going to go to fan day. I'm going to meet all these guys. I'm going to get their autographs. It's going to be great. And then to have them be really cool in the moment just takes it to the next stratosphere. You know, it, so uh, hats off to all those guys for sitting there doing that. Uh, I'm glad on one hand that they moved it to the concourse because it puts you in the shade. Um, it keeps everything a little bit tighter, I guess, you know, but, but it was, it was always cool in years past when you could get down on the field and, and do it there. But man, you're out in the, in the blazing sun, uh, you're on the playing surface, you know, which isn't always ideal. So, it's pretty cool that that now it's in the concourse. Uh, this is one of the things I said before that I really miss about not living in Huntington anymore is not being able to go to Fan Day. That was always fun. And you know, I took my my boys when they were younger, and and uh, you know now now we don't get to do that. I've still got one that's ten, and uh, you know he would probably enjoy that quite a bit. But you know I get to live vicariously on the aforementioned social media and see everybody's photos and it looked like your family was front and center on a lot of um outlets 
photos. So that's pretty well, cool on a personal level, I'm sure. When your kids look like mine, I, I'm I'm sounding like a bragging dad. But when <laughs> you know uh, the their mom dresses them in in this great herd outfit and everything, just catches your eye. My, that's one of the things I was going to say is my six year old. You said making their day, their month, or whatever. My six year old was dressed uh, in Marshall cheerleading uh, attire, and the cheerleaders pulled her over there and talked to her and every player said, are you a cheerleader? And she said, I'm, I want to be one day. And they were telling her that they couldn't wait to see her cheering mm -hmm. on the herd. And, oh man, I'm telling you, it was just, it was special. It was yeah. great. It's a, it's a cool event. I'm glad they do that. I'm glad, you know, I, I wish there was a way that it was easier to make it bigger, you know, but I understand that it's, it's not always that way you know it, it, i mean you could say well let's go to the you know the cam henderson center where we're all inside and it's air conditioned there's plenty of room but there was volleyball going on earlier in the day and part of the fun of fan day is going to the stadium and being at the stadium so yeah and this um, was right after practice when yeah. we got there like 10 minutes before four o'clock before it was starting the guys were on the east concourse in their ice baths they yeah. got straight up out of there and walked over to the the West concourse for, for this. So yeah, it's, it's gotta be there. You know? Oh yeah. I understand. I understand. I'm just saying it would be, it would be nice if it were able to be indoors with more room spread out, but that just yeah. drives home the fact that these guys went out and had been busting their butts for an entire practice through all of that heat and turmoil and then turn right around and sit down and sign autographs for an hour, hour and a half. Pretty cool. It's just pretty cool. I'm glad that I'm glad the the uh, athletic department continues to do that. Speaking of fans, our number three item is the first fan committee uh, meeting took place on Tuesday night. So if you are wondering if you made it, unless you were contacted and went to that meeting, I'm sad to inform you that you did not make the fan committee. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see. What, if anything, comes out of these series of meetings? What ideas get tossed out? You know, I'm sure much of that will be, you know, behind the scenes stuff. You're not going to hear, well, this came out of the fan committee meeting and yada, yada, yada. But it's, it's just nice. This is another nice thing that uh, our leadership team is wanting to hear directly from the fan base on what their concerns are what their ideas are, and how things can be improved. It doesn't necessarily mean that every idea is going to be a good one, but every idea is also not going to be a bad one. There will probably be some things that make certain things more user-friendly. And uh, I think a lot of herd fans can relate to that. Whether you live locally or you live a thousand miles away like I do, there are always areas where you can make it more user-friendly. Uh, so... I hope some good things come out of that. I'm uh, I am um, optimistic that some good ideas will most certainly flow throughout those meetings uh, in the future. And I do have a brief report from that first meeting, and it is extremely generic, just to let everyone know kind of the how it's going to work, Neil. These meetings, just like we mentioned last week about the board of uh, trustees for the Big Green. Things that are discussed there are meant to stay there. So if you know someone that got on there, it's not like all of a sudden they're going to be able to start dropping all this news and info to you. Uh, they want everything to remain there because 
sometimes they're working on something and it may take a long time for it to come to fruition. So don't expect to hear a whole lot of news out of this, but from everything that I was told, they are diligently taking notes from the ideas that the fans have brought and they are putting serious consideration into everything. So they are listening. This is not just lip service, fan service. They form this committee because they truly do want to take that representation, get your ideas of the people that are on there and see how they can improve anything. I would take it a step beyond that and say, if you do start hearing things coming out of these meetings, there will be changes to the fan committee. Certain people will not be attending those meetings very long if they can't adhere to, you know, a, a let's call it a privacy policy. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it, it will behoove those folks that want to remain on the fan committee to follow those <laughs> policies. Uh, you can make a real difference, but if you can't keep your yap shut, <laughs> <laughs> you won't be there very long. <laughs> so I'm, I do think this is a good endeavor. So it would be a shame to have it go away just because people talk about it or something. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you signed up and were lucky enough to get chosen, I mean, follow the rules, you know, this isn't an opportunity to like start scooping stuff. It's an opportunity to make a difference. And if you don't want to make a difference, then you you know, you, you, you barked up the wrong tree. Uh, that's, that's what kind of goes along with stuff like this. If you're going to be trusted to be, you know, at a certain level to know things and talk about things, then you have to respect that. It, it, not everything is for public consumption, right? It's, it's just kind of the way it is. All right. Number four on our list, season renewals for basketball, the email went out. And with that email, they detailed a lot of the things that we talked a little bit about one episode is seating changes inside the camp. And I'm going to go over those. The student section has been moved from sections 114, 115, 116, and the overflow over there in 101. And it's going to the opposite side of the court to sections 105, 106, 107. Just like you mentioned, flip-flopping, uh, putting the students underneath those suites, the skybox suites. And that will be in the second half. They will be at the visiting team's foul line. They'll be behind them. So hopefully a little competitive advantage there. They're also right next to or adjacent to the opposite team's uh, bench. So I feel like it's a good placement. And also you've got the, the fans that were – in those positions are now going to be right there on the, the concourse entrance coming in from the side of fat patties. So you can walk in right to your seats there. So I like it. Yeah, it makes sense, right? You, if for no other reason than to get the students behind, you know, the uh, visiting foul line in the second half. And if your overflow seating, which used to go to one Oh one now kind of overflows into the, I don't know if it's going to be where the visitors sit or if it's all you get is the bleachers. Yeah, you're not going to have any overflow anymore. It'll only be those three sections down there. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty good, too, because now that means that the student section will have to be full. And yeah. it's, you know, there that just means that there are now seats that uh, will be a revenue generator that were once overflow student seating. You'll now be able to sell those and buy 
pay for those. So, uh, but uh, but for the other reason, like we said before, when we when we heard this rumor was swirling, you don't have this uh, kind of tr- cross traffic bottleneck to where you know fans looking to travel home have to go over to where the old student section was and go out the doors, and the students that are going to go on campus are walking past those people to get on, you know, the the um, exits from the cam henderson center into the into the concourse and stuff so just for traffic flowing and for a competitive a little bit of a competitive advantage i like it i i mean you're you're trading bleachers for bleachers so you know other than that that's it's no big deal other than some people that are going to be displaced which are undoubtedly going to be able to buy the same seats that they're in just on the opposite side of the court it you're already uh grandfathered into those seats on the opposite so if you yeah. already have those they even broke it down in the email and they gave an example if you're in if you were in blah 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 row blah 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 seats blah 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 you'll have those on the opposite end you know it would tell you the number that you were going to so this also opens up where there was overflow in 101 that will now be sold as Right. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a little more revenue there and it doesn't stop there on uh, the seating changes. So the band will also be moving to the opposite end and they are going to section 107 and they'll be closer to the visiting team bench area and also right there with the students. Uh, The upper level bleacher sections, you know, we always call it herd heaven. Mm-hmm. Those all except for section 203 will be tarped off. And oh. yeah, so I uh, can't really, I don't know, uh, I can't envision it there, but uh, I assume they're going to tarp them off. Maybe they'll just leave it empty uh, because that's not really shown on television. So it might might be that they don't actually tarp them, but they may put up a rope or something so you can't get there. Uh, maybe just have the ushers there. I don't know. So every seat now will be uh, the upper chair backs and the lower bowl chair backs, and that'll be it. It's going to cut down, I think, maybe 2,000 seats, and we weren't selling those out anyway. People were just going up to herd heaven because it was a cheaper seat. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculously hot up there with the air conditioning issues. I'm not going to miss it. The The seats were tough to sit on. Um, a lot of stairs to climb. So I, I don't mind. Um, the one caveat there with section 203 being left open is you will only be able to sit up there if you get group seating. So if you have a large group that wants to come in, it's by game to game basis. That's where they're going to put you. If you if you don't buy, you know, a group, if there's not enough seats to buy a lower bowl or upper upper bowl chair backs and you have groups, they'll put you up in there if you all want to be together. Okay. So that's that's interesting because that was, you know, a season ticket general admission, you know, type thing in the past, and they were fairly cheap. I mean, it was like mm-hmm. hundred bucks or something like that. So uh this is good. It forces people down to you know, a more comfortable seat. Um, you're going to pay a little bit more for that, but that's okay. You're going to, again, just like we talked about with the football stadium, tarping off the end zone, forcing people around to the sidelines. This is very much in the same type of vein with the basketball arena. Now you force everyone down a little bit and fill in those areas that are on 
television, so you look better on TV, and you're probably a little bit more concentrated and louder. Um, I'm gonna throw on. I'm gonna borrow your speculation hat. And you got it. J- just for a second, if you're gonna do away with all of that seating, it sounds like an excellent opportunity to retrofit in some type of suites there, uh, since we only have a handful above the. Uh, you know, the above one of the baskets, it, it sounds like a great way to maybe utilize all that space and to build in some more suites on both sides. And, and we and we talked about the advantages of doing that with football. We don't need to go over it again, but this is pure speculation on my part. Um, but it just sounds like a good use of that space. There's no need to leave it up there totally unutilized. You might as well generate some revenue if you can. Well, let me take you, my speculation hat back from you and tell you that I think that that was bad speculation because I think my speculation is better. <laughs> you remember us talking about the quote unquote big ass fans. That's the brand of the fan. It's yes. not, you know, I got a feeling since they're putting those in, maybe they would, uh, and we talked about putting them in Gullickson, maybe they're putting something like that or full-blown HVAC up there that would maybe make uh, suites impossible. Plus, the only way to access those areas for suites up there would be to... um, go up the steps that are already there. There's yeah, no- I mean, currently, yeah, it, I'm not saying it would be a quick fix. It would be yeah. a monumental project. Uh, but it, I mean, there's, I just can't see whether it's HVAC fans or something, there is no way that you l- just leave all that space up there completely unutilized. Yeah, no, something will go on, but uh, I'm assuming that this is going to be some way to make it nicer and more climate controlled mm-hmm. in there. You put suites up there and you've got the rafters that are in the way, you know, um, it doesn't block the court, but it's just not a good, good view. Um, I, I don't, I don't see him doing it now. Again, you had on my speculation hat and you're free to say whatever you want when you have that hat on. (laughs) No consequences here. (laughs) That's how it works. You know, this this is not communist Russia. I mean, we're, we're able, this isn't communist Russia, is it Danny? Not my house. (laughs) little Chevy Chase Caddyshack there. But um, no, I think that we're probably going to see not this year, but next year, some kind of climate control. That's my speculation that they would have them up there. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. I just, you know, knee jerk reaction is there's no way that much seating gets removed and nothing goes there. You're not just going to let cobwebs grow. Yeah. You know, it's it's not going to happen. If uh, worst case scenario, let's, let's talk, you know, we start with the great scenario of sellouts, you know, and tickets are in high demand. Well, you don't have to do anything because they're not tearing anything out. Just yeah. let people go back up there, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, sure. Um, if they put in something that's HVAC, uh, it would just make that area a little bit a little bit nicer and better. Now, yeah. again, purely speculation on the uh, climate control, but we all know, and the athletic director knows, it is definitely needed in there, and they want to do something. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So, I mean, good info all around. I was starting to get a little curious about basketball since we hadn't talked about, you know, those those um, those rumors of the seating changes in a while. It had been several months since we talked about that, and now the announcement's coming out, and, and that's actually going to happen, which we believe is a very good move. So, 
cool. Uh, we'll cross more bridges about basketball when it comes to it. But so far, I'm I, I dig what's going on. Final note on the basketball seats. Let me just rip off the um, pricing. These are all season prices here. Chairbacks are three seventy five. That's in the lower lower bowl middle. Uh, cost $300 per seat contribution to the big green. The chairbacks that are on the four corners in the lower 101, 104, 109, and 112 is also 375, but it only costs 150 per seat to the big green. Chairbacks, uh, in the very, very corners of 116, 108, and 113. Those are the ones that are slightly, it's like a half. They don't go all the way down to the court. They're like half uh, the size. Those are also $375, but only cost $60 per seat to the big green. And then you've got your bleachers on the end that we already mentioned, 114 and 115. And those are $300 with $60 per seat to the big green. Upper chair backs are the last ones that we talked about and they are $200 on the season. No contribution required. Yeah. Uh, one note okay. for me, which is just a weird little thing. Okay. Is that <laughs> $150 per seat when that's like not a pricing tier. You know what I mean? Like $60 is the $5 a month thing for the big green. Well, $10 a month bumps you up to the next give the, the next giving tier level at 120. Mm -hmm. And then you have this kind of oddball 150, which I get that it's actually half of the $300 per cent. Right. But it's just weird. It's 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 just a weird, weird donation amount. That that's that's the only reason is it's half price of the yeah, three hundred dollars. So if someone has the three hundred dollar level and they want to get two basketball seats, they, they can. And that's yeah. that's also why there's a six hundred dollar uh level because if a uh, football you want to have two you two of the chairbacks you have to do that because it's three hundred dollars per seat. Yeah, of course. The last thing I want to do is is take donations away mm -hmm. from the big green. That's we're actually trying to do the direct opposite of that and get more donations coming in. But uh, you know, for somebody that donates at that one twenty tier, just because it's ten bucks a month, you know, it's nice mm -hmm. and round, and it's like, well, I mean, it's only thirty bucks. I get it. I'm not complaining. It's just weird to me. That's all. It's just yeah. one of those weird weird things. But hey. If you want to go bad enough, you'll pay the extra 30 bucks and get the seats. So, um, all right, good stuff, man. I'm sure we'll be looking into basketball season tickets when basketball season gets a little bit closer because, hey, we like to dig to be giving away tickets here on the Thundercast. What is the last of the five things this week? The fifth and final thing is we have covered this throughout uh, the seasons and weeks that we've been doing this. But officially, the article comes out naming all five of the transfers for the softball team. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is kind of just, again, bringing it all together. We we talked about each one of them when uh, they made their initial announcements. And then last week, um, you know, Coach Smith-Lyon talked about the, the family's complete. You know, we didn't expect to see any more moves. And now this week we get the article basically stamping that in stone so um it's done i mean softball roster is done and um 
nothing, nothing now to do, but kind of play the game. So if you want, let's run down them real quick. Yeah, uh, I've got them here. Casey Wilhoyt, outfield, redshirt junior from Purdue University. Um, Savannah Rice, pitcher slash utility player, junior from Western Carolina. Sydney Bickle, middle infielder, junior from Louisville. And Emily Allen, catcher, redshirt freshman from NC State. Oh, and here's one final one. Erica Holt, outfield junior from Michigan State. One, two, three, four, five. There you go. Uh, the the <laughs> the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. So uh, the, the, I'm excited now. Uh, we, we know what the roster is going to look like. It's, it's going to be um, interesting to see the new brand of herd softball. Right, because uh, you talked last week that uh, Coach Smith, Coach Smith Lyon said that this year's team is going to be uh, different than last year's team in the way that they, you know, approach offense. They don't have to live and die by the home run as much as they did last season, and we're going to see a lot more speed. And I guess what some folks would call the manufacturing of runs by stealing bases and and base hits and things of that, you know, moving runners around instead of just rounding them all on one swing. So I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see uh, the brand of 2022 herd softball. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I feel like they're still going to have that family atmosphere that we love about softball. They're going to have fun. There's a ton of returning players. So the team is not just getting a, a brand new face or anything like that, but it will be nice to see these new players get brought into that family and uh, how they change the dynamic a little bit. Yeah. I don't think the uh, personality, let's call it the personality yeah. of this team is changing whatsoever. It's always going to be fan friendly. It's going to be high excitement. It's going to be entertaining. Um, it's going to be a lot of energy flowing around, you know, between the players and, and between innings and in the stands. It's just the way that they're scoring their runs, the way they're playing defense, the things that they're doing, will be different than what we have probably seen in the past a little bit. And that's okay. You know, it's it, at the end of the day, it only matters if you're ahead on the scoreboard, right? Because it comes down to wins and losses. And as long as you're still winning games, it doesn't matter how you're winning games. Just keep winning. And they've been winning a lot. Yeah. All yeah. right. Excellent. Five things. Uh, you got one final note there before we move into the featured story? No, just uh, as always, thanks to Ignite Link for making those possible. That's right. Thanks to our fellas, our buddies, our pals at Ignite Link, the Tri-State's premier. Uh, what is it? IT, I can't, IT I can't, management. That's team. what it was. I kept thinking IT support. That's not it. IT management team. Sorry, Jed, I owe you one. I'll get it right next time, Booby. <laughs> 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 I doubt very many of our listeners will get that joke at all. I tell uh, you what. I tell you what, KD. If uh, whoever does get that joke, please tweet to us the joke where it came from or that line where it came from and we'll have something special for you <laughs> that's right uh that that's that's one that i doubt too many people will know but who knows maybe we'll be surprised so let's move into the featured story of the week it's the end the culmination of the position group breakdown series and we're talking about quarterbacks the single biggest question mark surrounding the marshall football team in 2022 i don't think anybody would disagree with that statement uh so let's let's talk about it phil Steele is not high on the herd quarterback room uh hopefully we know some stuff that he doesn't know because he's got the herd ranked tied for 10th 
in the Sun Belt Conference with Louisiana and South Alabama. Uh, returning quarterbacks from the 2021 roster, there are actually two. Uh, we brought in three in the 2022 recruiting class, and of course, one through the transfer portal. Departing quarterbacks from the 2021 roster, there are four. Of course, Grant Wells, quarterback one, Luke Zaban, quarterback two, and then Seth Smith and Ty Tarpley, both also moving on to other locations. I think you would be fooling yourself and lying to yourself if you weren't concerned about uh, once, once Grant Wells decided to move into the transfer portal, I'm sure a lot of herd fans went, uh Oh, what do we do now? Because there was not a lot, you know, on the roster. We were worried last year, like, Oh man, if Wells goes down, can, you know, Luke Zaban shoulder the load and in, in, in sparing playing time, he did, he did a great job, but we saw, unfortunately the microcosm of that in the in the home finale against Western Kentucky, when, Grant Wells was knocked out. He was having probably one of his best games of his career, and he took a hit and went out, and he was actually, in my honest opinion, outplaying Western Kentucky quarterback Bailey Zappi, who is now playing for the New England Patriots, who set single-season all-time college football records in passing yards and touchdowns last season. Wells was outplaying him in, in that game until he went down. Luke Zaban enters and the offense really couldn't get anything going. Uh, it, was, it was rough. That Western Kentucky defense pinned their ears back, and, and they were harassing Mr. Zaban. So when you see Grant Wells go into the portal, I think everybody or most of Hurt Nation went, ooh, what do we do now? Well, we went out and recruited the, the daggone position really, really hard. You bring in three from the 2022 class, you hit the portal and try to bring in a veteran quarterback that's been around, that has some uh, big game moments under his belt, who's not going to be shaken in certain situations. And the herd coaching staff went out and checked all those boxes, right? So let's talk about who's on the roster this year, uh, who we think may be the projected starter. I should say this we're recording on Sunday night, this will come out Monday. And we have heard already that sometime this week, we're, we're assuming by Tuesday, uh, maybe Wednesday, but probably around Tuesday, that Coach Huff is supposed to have an announcement regarding who the actual starter will be for this team in week one. So that's not what this episode is about, but we are going to project a starter, right? Uh, we've done that with every other position group. So projected starter is... Henry Columbia, the sixth year or fifth year, I don't know, red shirt senior, six foot three, 220 pounder, former stops at Utah State for two years, where he was back up to uh, Green Bay Packers quarterback Jordan Love, then moves on to Texas Tech, where he had nine starts in 13 games over two seasons, racking up 2,356 passing yards and 13 touchdowns versus 10 interceptions while also tacking on 141 rushing yards and three touchdowns on the ground. So there is the guy with the experience. There's the guy who's been in the big games, who's been in the huge stadiums all across the big 12. So there are probably not going to be too many, if any moments that the Sunbelt are going to present that are bigger than what he's already seen. That has got to bring a certain amount of relief if you're a herd fan, it's like, okay, it's not, it's not going to be trial by fire, right? Because the next quarterback on the roster that had even thrown a pass for the herd is Cam Fancher, who had 
six attempts last year on the season, right? So we project Henry Columbia to be quarterback one, at least for week one. Uh, quarterback two, really, to me, is kind of a toss-up, right? Because we've seen uh, Pete Zamora do some great things in, the, in spring ball and in the summer session, and we've heard a lot of great things about Cam Fancher and how he is progressing and how he's really grabbing a hold of the offense and making better decisions. We heard, we heard a little bit about that in the spring, and we're getting more of that now here in the fall session. So that's kind of the toss-up to me. Who is QB2? That really is the question. I think uh, you're going to go with the guy who's kind of been there, done that the most with quarterback one, at least in my opinion. So will quarterback two be Cam Fancher or will it be maybe a guy like Pete Zamora who has been performing over and over again? I don't really know. So I can't really name him. We're just going to talk about both guys. Of course, Cam Fancher is one of those two quarterbacks that's returning from 2021, the six foot one, 190 pound, 95 pound redshirt freshman. He appeared in two games last year for the herd and went three of six on passing attempts with 46 total yards. So, I mean, there are stats there, but there's not a big sample size to go off of. Quarterback uh, 2A or 3, however you want to um, label it. I'm just going to toss out Pete Zamora's name because he's repeatedly shown up and repeatedly. We see throws that he's made in video and talked about in in uh, interviews and things like that. So the six foot, one hundred and ninety six pound true freshman, the former three star prospect with offer from FAU and the herd coming out of high school. And we talked about how early Marshall was able to get on uh, Pete and and get him in the recruiting class. And I don't, I'm not too sure that some folks realize how early that was. So I went back and looked at the timeline on 24-7 sports. He committed to Marshall on February 10th of 2021. I mean, do the math on that, man. We're in August, middle August of 2022. He has been on the herd for over a year, a year and a half. You know, it's, this, this, he's been committed and here, at least in his mind and heart, for a year and a half. That's how long Marshall was in on him. Other quarterbacks on the roster, the other returning quarterback from 2021, Cade Cunningham, a six foot four, 195 pound redshirt freshman, who we talked about a little bit during spring ball, who was making some throws and, and, and had an opportunity to get in there and quote, put some things on film because Columbia couldn't take part in spring ball. And, you know, we were still trying to figure out who could do what and, all this kind of stuff, and 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 Cade was making some good throws. And we talked about his uh, roster height and weight at the time. They had him at six foot four, and I believe one hundred and sixty nine pounds at the time when we were talking about it. And you said, "Man, I hope that he <laughs> has been able to, you know, get in the weight room and you know the lunch room and put on some weight." And just, uh, you know, I think that that. They will be listening, but his parents reached out <laughs> to me on on uh, on Twitter and said they were laughing about that. And yes, he has put on some weight. And at the time <laughs> that I had spoken to them, he was 188. And now you can see BA has him up to 195. So yeah, that, mo moving takes, in the right direction. That takes a real commitment, you know. If you're a guy that it's tough to put on weight, and let's face it, if you're six foot four, 169 pounds, it's probably tough for you to add weight. 
So that takes a real commitment to the weight room and uh, your diet. I mean, we're talking almost 30 pounds, you yeah. know, in, in, in a in a span of just a few months. So that's pretty amazing stuff. Well, yeah, I think, I, I think that the, the deal was they were going off of his last year's roster weight. So he had actually been putting on up to 188, but anyway, going from 188 in the spring was yeah. already big, but 188 to 195 still in several months. And I saw him yesterday. He has not put on fat, you know, he's yeah, just, yeah. He's, he's just filled out his already tall, uh, body and uh, looks like he could put on easily another 10 or 15 of, of, of muscle and, and stuff over the next year to two or three years and continue to fill out as as we all did at that age you know yeah yeah I mean you, uh, keep in mind right you're talking about 18 19 year old kids that are still growing into their bodies and especially athletes who yeah. are you know in these weight rooms and and it not everybody, of course, everybody, knows, not everybody develops at the same time, right? You right. just, you know, so, but even if you talk about him being at 180, 185, whatever, back in the spring, well, at some point on a herd roster, he was 169 pounds. Mm -hmm. And to put on almost 30 pounds, whenever that weight and height was taken versus today, when the height and weight was taken for this year's roster, it's still pretty amazing transformation. So I'm glad to see he's putting the work in. I'm glad to see he's seeing some fruits of his labor. And, uh, you know, providing a little bit of probably leadership to, to a lot of these younger guys, right? Showing them the herd. When you're one of two guys that are remaining on the roster, a lot falls on your shoulders to, you know, keep the um, ideology of herd football in the quarterback room flowing, right? So um, I'm sure a lot of that fell on his shoulders. And I'm glad to see that you know, we, we are seeing some fruits of that as well. You know, we, we're still seeing competitiveness and, and the way that quarterback play is taken here at Marshall university is, is on a level that, you know, we, I don't know, we hold it near and dear to our hearts. We've just had a lot of all time collegiate football greats at that position come out of this school. And it's just nice to see that there's a, there's a commitment to that that hasn't, you know, wavered at all. Uh, also on the roster are the trio, I guess, what, one, two, maybe two more, two more. Yeah. Two more quarterbacks that were in the 2022 class. Chase Harrison, the six foot two, 194 pound freshman, former three-star prospect with offers from Louisville, Buffalo, Ohio, U and Miami of Ohio, and a nice Ivy league offer from Penn. So I remember when uh, they were in on chase and he made that commitment uh, that, you know, that was, um, considered to be a pretty big get because it was started to be widely known that he was under recruited and that he, his, uh, ability and athleticism was, you know, uh, I don't think fully appreciated during the recruiting process and the end that Marshall was able to get in on one of those, what you like to call diamond in the rough type guys. So, you know, we'll see how these guys fit in. I would like to think that um, some, at least one or two of these guys are going to end up redshirting. And I mean, there's just no reason to not redshirt if you're not going to see, you know, um, a decent amount of playing time. So you can still play in four games and maintain that redshirt. So even if situations call for you to be thrust into action, you can still play four games and maintain that redshirt. So I'm excited to see what the – with this first year and then the more so when we do this next year 
what if we'll be talking about the leap that these guys are making. And then finally, on the roster, of course, of course, how can you forget about Cole Pennington, the six foot two, 207 pound true freshman, a former three star prospect coming out of high school with offers from Akron, Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, and UT Martin. I mean, can you talk herd quarterbacks without mentioning the name Pennington? I don't think that you can. Uh, one thing that I did notice is even though all those recruiting pictures are circling or circulating around and showed Cole wearing that number 10, he's not number 10 on the roster. He's number 12 on the roster. And that to me is something uh, I say this a lot and in, in various capacities in my life when I've been in interactions with, you know, people that are in organizations or whatever. Uh, and, and I think we even talked about this when we were doing the, the secondary breakdown and we were talking about Stephen Gilmore. You can't be the next Stephon Gilmore. You have to be the first Stephen Gilmore. And this is very much the same thing with Cole Pennington. You can't be the next Chad Pennington. As much as this fan base is going to repeatedly compare you to your dad, and as much as you have been compared to your father probably your entire football life, you can't be the next Chad Pennington. You have to be the first Cole Pennington. And I think the very first step of that is not putting on that number 10. So good for him. Good for him for wanting to blaze his own trail, wanting to be his own man and his own player. Uh, I am very intrigued to see the trajectory and um, kind of how his, his career path will go, right? Because we, we, we know now, of course, we can look back and see how Chad's career path go, went. And it'll be interesting to see if there are mirrors, if there are similarities between their pathways, you know. Uh, but that is your herd quarterback room for 2022. A uh, couple of notes that we've got to talk about, just quick stats as we move forward into the strengths and weaknesses, okay? Uh, the herd averaged 294.4 yards passing in 2021. So just keep that number in your head when you're thinking about strengths and weaknesses. But let's transition right into that, Mr. Living Good. What are your strengths for the quarterback room in 2022? Lots of options. <laughs> there's, uh, you know, there's six to choose from. Um, are all six ready uh, D1 starters right now? Probably not, considering three of them are true freshmen. And at least one of them was not here until getting enrolled a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. but there are six there. There are, um, I would, I would say six D one, you know, players, not always has our depth chart shown that every single person one, two or three was D one material maybe. And I'm thinking years ago, not, not any knocks on anybody recently, but, uh, I feel like we do have options and whoever wins out of whoever might be the top three right now, I think that if they win out, it will be because they had to beat two other really good options. So I don't know how to classify that other than say we do have options and it's not one person or bust. Well, that's pretty fair. You know, there are, there, I mean, six quarterbacks on the roster, you do have options, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not out of the realm of fairness to say, you know, some of those options are better at this point than others. I mean, of Absolutely. course, you know, 
but you do have options. For me, the, the number one strength, if I'm projecting Henry Columbia to be QB1, then the number one strength there is that you have an experienced quarterback one who has seen a lot of football, who has played a lot of football, and who has been in some big games and moments, as I've said. And that cannot go unnoticed. You know, there are there are times, and we have seen it at her as herd fans, to where sometimes our quarterbacks in years past have been in a moment that has gotten them a little flustered. And, you know, they didn't make the best decision at the time to – you know, put us in the best position to win. Uh, that is not the case, I think, with Henry Columbia. He's kind of seen it. I mean, you've been, you're a redshirt senior. You've seen a lot of football. You've played a lot of football. And you've been in some big stadiums, especially when you talk about being in the Big 12, playing against hostile crowds, playing against storied programs, playing in big games and pulling off big wins in those games. So that, to me, is the number one strength for the quarterback room. What do you got for number two? Well, my second and final strength, uh, someone may, you know, attack me for this of only having two and not having two really good strengths. But the other strength is we should not be needing our quarterbacks to do too much with the rest of what we have on offense and defense. It should be game management, number one, not turning the ball over, that sort of thing but we're not going to require someone to come out and throw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. It's just not needed for this team to win. And that's it for my strengths. I think that's fair. I mean, that's fair. You talk about uh, Rasheen Ali, you talk about Kalen LeBourne and being able to move those chains. And, you know, we've talked about so many times if we were just able to cut down that number of interceptions last year, Marshall probably puts a couple more in the left-hand column you know, and that overall record looks a little bit better. And is that, am I blaming anybody? No, it's just, I'm speculating, right? If, if you cut down the turnovers, you'd just like to think you're probably going to win a couple more games. Yeah. Uh, but for me, my number two strength is there are, there is a lot of overall athleticism at this position group. It's, it's widely known and that uh, Columbia is a little bit more mobile than quarterback we had last year. Uh, he's probably just as efficient of a passer. And if he can limit the turnovers, then we'll be fine. We'll be fine. You can lean heavily on your, uh, what we now perceive to be a strength at offensive line. You can lean heavily on the stacked back backfield that they have. And we have a capable core of wide receivers and tight ends that can move the chain. So you don't have to hit that deep ball. You don't have to throw for 500 yards a game and five touchdowns to stay in one. I mean, we've talked about how competitive the defense is going to be, how utterly violent and disruptive the defensive line is going to be. So if you have to lean on those things a little bit more than you want to, you feel good about being able to do that and having to do that. So I think that takes a lot of pressure off of whoever your quarterback is. Just be like, you know what? Find the green jersey and throw it to the green jersey. That's really all you got to do. And let, let your other playmakers make plays for you. The last thing that I have that's a strength moving into the season is that you mentioned having six guys on the roster and having options. Well, I'm looking at that and looking at it through the lens of all of this competition is breeding improvement for everyone. So mm -hmm. we've talked about, uh, you know, in, in years past, when you, when you have depth at a, at a position, it causes everybody's game to elevate a little bit. 
And this scenario is a little bit different in the fact that we don't have anybody uh, that has thrown a pass outside of Cam Fancher in a herd uniform, and he threw six of them last year. So this is, for all intents and purposes, a wide-open quarterback competition. Now, we think there are some advantages for some guys over other guys, but there's nobody been named yet. And by the time some people hear this, Coach Huff will probably have named that week one starter. But up to this point, we have ideas. We have probably potential favorites in the clubhouse of who's going to get that nod. But it's taken up until, you know, two weeks before game day, a week and a half before game day for that announcement to be made. So that just tells me that hopefully these guys have been pushing each other to be better and better and better every single day in practice. Uh, let's, let's transition over and talk about some weaknesses for this group. So here's where my mentions on Twitter are going to get blown up. <laughs> both, both yeah. of us. Yeah. So, um, how much time do we have to talk about the weaknesses? Because I've got a lot of them and I'm not trying to uh, come down on the quarterbacks, but it's all about uncertainty. You know, yeah. it, it has nothing to do. Listen, there, there's parents of quarterbacks that, that I have talked to. Uh, it has nothing to do with, with your, your child who I have told you guys uh, different people here without saying names that, you know, I think they're, they're great at the, level that they're at right now, you know, as, as where they're at on the death chart or, you know, their career because of how young and inexperienced they are. I think at this point, you know, they're showing tremendous promise and any of them, I'm not talking about one, but any of them could become the starter next year, later on this year, something. But right now I haven't seen any of them in a game. I saw Cam Fancher throw five passes or something and they were almost all of them bombs at the end of that uh that one game last year so my number one glaring weakness is the inexperience in a martial uniform and there's nothing that anyone no matter what kind of colored shades that you wear if they're kelly green shades there is no argument you can make with me that for my number one weakness, because we have not seen them play herd football. Yeah. I, I mean, that's true. You know, I went with inexperience after Henry Columbia because he's played a lot of football, but yeah, you're right. In a herd uniform, there's basically none. Yeah. Cam Fancher played in two games last year. He threw six passes, completed 50% of those, but you're talking about a sample size that is so small. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are drives that produce six pass attempts that you know, was, or more. That was mop-up time, too. Yeah, but, I mean, in any given drive, you, you, sure. you might pass the ball six times. So, yeah. you know, the, the sample size is so small. That is not an unfair statement. There is a sheer glaring amount of inexperience at the quarterback position in meaningful game time play in a herd uniform, yeah. period. Uh, there has been, you know, Henry has played a, uh, a lot of ball for Texas Tech. Uh, he he backed up a NFL first round draft pick for two years at Utah State, so he's played a a good amount of ball in Lubbock, but that's it. You know, there's there's been none in Huntington, and Cam played a little bit of mop up duty two games out of thirteen last year, and nobody else has done it. You know, three of those remaining four just got here, 
So that's not a unfair statement. And I don't think anybody is going to be attacking either one of us for saying that. That's the obvious, right? It's the obvious. So do you have a number two? Yes. Yes. So Cam Fancher is uh, reported as neck and neck right on Columbia's coattails, whatever you want to say that the articles have said that he's right up there in consideration with me and QB one. He is left-handed. We talked about this before, uh, right before spring ball, he's left-handed. We have a basic brand new offensive line that's Mm -hmm. coming in that we don't know necessarily which five and what five positions that those two are, or that those five are the best combination. If we are trying to decide between some right-handers or a left-hander and he's up there and it's nothing against cam. And, you know, we've had plenty of, uh, plenty of examples professionally and collegiate ball where left-handers, it's not like they're any worse, but it is different when you consider the blocking schemes and, how it comes off of their their hand. I mean, just everything. So to me, that is a major concern because of the offensive line and the receivers and that sort of thing that we don't know who that quarterback is nor which hand it's going to be coming out of. Yeah, that's that's a fair um, concern as well. I mean, speaking as a left-hander, it's it things are different. You know, everything in this world – <laughs> for better or worse is set up for a right-handed person. And I don't think, as it should by, be. And, I, <laughs> and I don't think by and large that football is really any different because one of the most important aspects of the game is blocking, right? Mm-hmm. Blocking for your quarterback. And if yep. your blind side, when one quarterback is in is all of a sudden, not the blind side, when the other quarterback is, in, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal. One missed assignment could spell disaster for either guy you know either guy and this isn't a video game where you just substitute them in and and all of a sudden you could say well let's make our left tackle a right tackle in the game and everything will be fine it doesn't work that way you know uh there's uh there's i can't imagine the practices that they're going through right now of where do we play we talked about the versatility of the offensive linemen and the different positions that some of them could play um and I can't imagine what that is looking like right now when they're switching the quarterbacks, you know, because you go from one that's more mobile or to a pocket passer to a lefty, uh, all kinds of different scenarios right now. Yeah, major, major, true. major weakness area concern for me. Uh, my my second and final uh, weakness for the group, I kind of touched on it in the first one. It, it's the production overall as a unit, right? We're talking about career numbers collegiate ball for all six guys on the roster total 2,862 passing yards, 15 touchdowns and 10 interceptions for all six guys in collegiate football. Grant Wells alone last year in 2021 alone, one season passed for over 3,500 yards and 16 touchdowns. So all the guys, their career numbers don't add up to what Grant Wells posted last year. Is it concerning? Should be. You know, should be. It's hard to replace 3,500 yards of passing. It's hard to replace 16 touchdown passes. Um, But again, for all we know, the stars are aligning and everything is working the way these coaches want it to. And and everything is going to come out smelling like roses and we're going to have a quarterback that's going to come in and light up the scoreboard. Could happen, right? Um, 
But to be cautiously optimistic is a term I keep using uh, throughout, you know, position group breakdowns, throughout a lot of facets of herd athletics. I continue to be cautiously optimistic about the quarterbacks. I am not banking on the fact that we have a quarterback that's going to come out and throw for 4,000 yards, 3,000 yards. It may not be needed. It may not be merited. Right. And on top of that, it just might not be the overall style of ball that we need to play to win games. You go with what works for you. Right. So there's no need to deviate from that if you don't have to do it. Conversely, <laughs> if it is working for you, well, yeah, keep throwing gasoline on the fire, I guess, because, you know, I, I like seeing downfield throws. I like seeing long pass plays and touchdowns being put on the board. And I like all that. I don't really care what the numbers say, as long as the scoreboard says what we needed to say at the end of games, yeah. right? I don't, I don't care. I don't care if we lead the nation in fumbles and interceptions, if we're 13 and 0, do you care? Of course I, not. I do not. No, no, you don't care. Conversely, if you need, if you lead the nation, you know, in touchdowns, but also lead the nation in touchdowns allowed, you're not probably going to win very many games. So all that matters to me is that we put the recipe together enough to win football games. That's all that matters to me. I don't care what it looks like as long as we win. I don't care if we win every game by a point as long as we win. Well, I do because um, I don't want to be that nervous and anxious all those games. <laughs> where, But anyway, uh, my third weakness is I hear a lot of people really high on Henry Columbia because he came from a P5 school or Texas Tech, and you said it a long time ago, we're not talking Mike Leach's Texas Tech air raid offense. So um, I will gladly eat my crow on a, a platter put before me, but as of right now, I am I have zero impressed upon me that he's from Texas Tech or a P5 school because – I have not seen him. I didn't watch one of their games. Okay. I could go look. I've seen some highlights and everything, but I did not see him and I have not followed his career. So to me, I don't care where he came from. I care about what he's going to do on our football field. So right now I'm not overly optimistic and I would not be outraged if he got beat out and it has nothing to do with him. To me, he's just one of the guys that is going for the QB1 role. So that, to me, is a weakness in the fact that I feel like experience aside, and I'm not saying that that is a non-factor because it's obviously a factor, but I don't think that he should be automatically above someone else just because he played at a school that had a bigger budget than us and just happened to have, you know, a better conference than we were in. And I have seen players go from bigger schools and go to other schools and not start or not ever play, end up transferring away again. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, I'm not banking on him. And I feel like that's a weakness because I feel like the buzz from a lot of people in our fan base, as soon as they said, hey, we're getting a uh, transfer and he's from Texas Tech, everyone already anointed him the starter. And, you know, well, our problems are solved and it's going to be an upgrade over Grant Wells. And I don't think that that's necessarily true in any front. Yeah, I'm, I don't think 
you are, you know, automatically anointed. A lot of people did that because you're like, oh, wow, he's already been a starting quarterback at a big, quote unquote, bigger school and a bigger conference. So perfect. You know, it's settled. Right. Uh, I can give you an example of that happening this week. It happened this week. Former West Virginia University quarterback Jared Doji goes to Western Kentucky. They all anoint anoint him the the next starter, whatever. He gets beat out by a transfer quarterback from I think it's like West Florida, like mm-hmm. super small school, and so he transfers out and he lands at Troy. Yeah. You know, just the other day, so he went from Power Five to G five to transfer again to another yeah. G five because he was beaten out. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but you're that's just to your point. That happens. That kind of stuff happens. Do you remember when Willie Corn was coming from Clemson and everyone oh, yeah. was just talking about, oh, you know, here's the next great herd quarterback, and oh yeah, never took a snap. That's right. It it happens. So, um, it's it's all about the competition right it's all about who's going going to rise above and earn that nod and we root for every player that we have on the roster that goes with without saying absolutely we're we're fans of them all but above that we're fans of the team we want the best 11 on the field all the time right that's that's i think that's what any fair fan that's what any quality fan wants is the best 11 on the field no matter who that is and let me clarify something for anyone that's listening i am not dogging any any of these players as i mentioned earlier but to take it a step further knowing quarterbacks they are just wired differently they are default just almost on every team the leader of Mm -hmm. the team uh a lot of them go on to be head coaches or offensive quarterbacks i mean offensive coordinators because of the level that they compete at um it's it's just different right i don't think a single one of these players think that this should just be gifted to them so i am not saying that columbia is thinking that he should waltz in here and get this in fact i think that he came here knowing that he was going to prove himself and beat out everybody else because mm-hmm. that's what quarterbacks do that's what yeah. people with Moxie do. And I am rooting for him. I'm rooting for anyone that uh, might get QB1. I'm rooting for anyone that might get QB2 through QB6. Uh, I want a rising tide to raise all ships, like we talked about for one of your uh, strengths. And I can't wait to eat crow and say, man, I was wrong because I was so nervous about us not having a good quarterback because of the inexperience yeah in a way that's what you're hoping happens you're yeah. you're hoping to be wrong so you're like man i can't believe i stressed over that yeah i absolutely am i, I can't i i would never root against our team in any fashion and uh i would never root against a player on our team just like you mentioned so i am i will gleefully come on this show and talk about how wrong <laughs> i was when they proved me wrong. But right now, this is the number one question mark by far on this team. Uh, expert panelists across the nation feel the same way. Yeah, it, it, it's fair. Every fan feels that way. That's the question that has to be answered. Marshall will go as far as its quarterback one can take them because we saw the greatness and and um, the ability of Rasheen Ali last year, and it's still, you know, kept Marshall hovering around a 500 team 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's very much about turning, dialing down the turnovers and keeping a hold of the ball and going and playing good defense. Right. So, but a big component of that is how good your quarterback going to be. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it just is. It just is. Remember, fans hit me with all your hate mail at Russ Living Good. <laughs> one S, one G. At Russ Living Good. One S, one G. All right. So let's talk about the four questions. Who is it that you're most excited to see? out of the quarterback room in 2022 and uh to be frank with you there are a little bit of i'm not calling them cop-outs because i don't know the answers to these questions per se so you can take them you can take some of my answers as cop-outs if you wish but i, I can't really answer some of them so who are you most excited to see i have a cop-out immediately <laughs> i am most excited to see qb1 that is who hey. I that is who I'm most excited to see. <laughs> Me too. That's what I said. I said I'm most excited to see QB1. Don't yeah. know who it is, yeah. but whoever trots out of the tunnel and lines up under center after the first game, that's who I'm pumped to see. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> reminds me of the uh the Simpsons joke where they uh held the the beer mugs up to where it blanked their their mouths when they were talking about who was in the Super Bowl because they shot the episode way before the Super Bowl. And, <laughs> and then they just com- put in computer voices for them. That's kind of what I wanted to do here was put a blank. And then after they named the starter, just go back and, and put that in. So You're going to say it like, so it's not even seamed with the, yeah. you know, like your voice sounds totally different. <laughs> yeah. May- maybe even have your voice piping it <laughs> yeah, in. I'll dub it in for you. Yeah. Uh, here comes the easiest slam dunk, probably question of all these position group breakdowns. Who is the hardest to replace from the 2021 roster? You think? Uh, there's a couple of different ways you could go with this, but I'm oh, going to go true. <laughs> uh, literally, uh, literally two. I think that you could go. <laughs> it's not, Nothing against Ty Tarpley and Seth Smith, but you know they they were on the practice squad, you know, uh, at some point. But Grant Wells, obviously, uh, and you know, a little bit of news from this week: he was named the starter at Virginia Tech, and uh, that just goes to show you he went down there and proved that he is a QB one. And I am rooting for him there. I know you are as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think that Grant did have faults. Uh, some of them were inconsistency that we talked about, uh, disappeared at a couple of times. But when he was on, he was on. Great mm-hmm. quarterback. And I I feel like, you know, I would have liked to have seen him under this current offensive scheme that we're going to have, you know, different coordinator and that sort of thing. I I really would have liked to have seen him stay. Well, I would have too. And of course the answer is Grant Wells. It's hard to replace 3,500 yards and, and 16 touchdowns of, as we mentioned, but you're right. He goes to Virginia tech and, and comes out of that competition, a quarterback one and proving that he has the ability to play at the ACC level. And, you know, some people uh, tagged us, tagged the Thundercast Twitter account in that announcement tweet. And I'm not sure exactly what that was, what they were expecting. I mean, I don't have, literally zero ill will i mean i am wholeheartedly hoping that he goes out and dominates the acc i hope he is a first team all acc quarterback i have no love lost for grant wells i mean how do you root against a west virginia kid who comes here and you know is thrust into action as a freshman does great job leads the team to a conference usa championship game has a rough go of it 
and then comes back in 2021 and has a really good season. The turnover bug just pops up every now and then. And, you know, it is what it is, but that happens. It's, it's inconsistencies, inconsistencies, like you mentioned, but Hey, overall, I'm still a fan, right. And to see him go on to what he thinks is the best move for him. Great. I hope it really is. I hope it transitions into even bigger accolades for him. And maybe he gets an opportunity to play at even the next level Mm -hmm. somehow. So I have, no love or no love love. I have no ill will towards Grant Wells and I wish him nothing but the best. I'm thankful for all the plays that he made here in Kelly green and white. I'm thankful for all the wins that he helped put on the uh, scoreboard for the herd. It it was, it was a fun two years. Yeah. There were down times, but there were a lot of good times too. There were a lot of, there was a lot of fun being had in those two years. Forever. A son of Marshall forever. I mean, yeah, forever. So look, who do you think is going to be the breakout? player this year that's kind of tough to QB, QB one <laughs> uh, <laughs> no uh I you know I'm just going to go ahead and say it I think that uh Columbia is who we're going to have uh and I think that he will break out uh that I am you know I, again I'm not optimistic but I'm saying that I feel like whoever wins QB one will by default break out and right. I think that that's who it's going to be. My prediction is Columbia getting QB1 in a very tight race, tighter than a lot of people thought, and that he will break out no matter what stats say on the uh, on the scroll. I agree. I was going to cop out again and say QB1 for – most of these because we just don't know who it is, right? But I think the breakout player will be uh, Henry Columbia as well, and I'm going to save any of the extra talking that I have to do about that until later in this. So I'm going to move right into who do you think is going to be the MVP of the season when it's all said and done out of this room? Well, I mean, I can't say that Henry Columbia is going to be the breakout and win QB1, but somebody else is going to be the MVP. So by default – it's got to be Henry Columbia again. I mean, I agree to an extent. And then I started thinking, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, so I just, this is my other partial cop out. It's, you know, it, I said, whoever quarterback one is at who plays the majority of the season, because, you know, we never, we don't know if there'll be injuries or a change or whatever. That's fair. So whoever the quarterback one is the majority of the season, I think obviously will be the MVP. Do you have a hot take? For this group yeah um i think that we will end up having more thrown touchdowns this year than we had last year and uh i know that that sounds you know after everything that i said about weaknesses and everything but uh i feel like grant for throwing 3500 yards and it's hard when Rasheen Ali scoring as many as he was on the ground. But mm-hmm. I feel like only 16 touchdowns, you know, that wasn't a whole lot to replace last year. I feel like uh, we'll be closer to around 20. And that's fair. Uh, I'm going off of the assumption that A, Henry Columbia is QB1, and B, he stays healthy all year long. So that that is that is my two prerequisites for this hot take i'm going to say that henry columbia doubles his career passing yard output which is roughly 2800 yards so i think that he gets 
2,800 yards at least this year to double his career output up to this point. I don't know what the touchdowns might look like or, or interceptions or any of that, but I, I think you're going to see a 2,800-yard passer maybe a little bit more this year. And uh, he's got what I mentioned, like around 140 rushing yards to the good. Of course, every time you get sacked, it comes off of your individual rushing yards. So anytime a quarterback has rushing yards to the good, that's just not a full-time running quarterback. That's a good thing. So, you know, give me him, let me have another 200 yards rushing for him on the season to double all these numbers up. I think that's a pretty fair hot take considering the numbers he's put up at previous stops. Russ, uh, the position group breakdown series is one that I really thoroughly enjoy doing. It gives us a deep dive into the roster. It familiarizes us and everybody else listening with the innards of the roster. So now you know just about every single player that's on this roster and how they may factor in to the herd successes in 2022. But with all that said, the position group breakdown series has now come to an end. If you need to re-familiarize yourself with any position group, they are all available on uh, our uh, Spotify feed or Apple podcast feed. You'll be able to go back and listen to any of them. And uh, now we transition very much into getting ready for week one. Next week, we'll have season predictions we'll talk about a little bit, and we'll talk about a uh, week one preview for Norfolk State. Uh, but now... Let's take this bad boy around the hurt. Yeah, let's kick it off with a serve from volleyball. They had their green and white scrimmage on Saturday. I was able to go to that and take the family. My kids absolutely loved it, especially the music that was piped over the uh, uh, in the breaks over the uh, sound system in the cam uh, posted that they had their faces melted off as they were <laughs> dancing the the day away over there. And a lot of, a lot of people said they saw them and liked that. Uh, I tell you, it, it was a very fun event to go to. I cannot wait to go watch some volleyball. Uh, we've got some really good players. Uh, just a good time. What we have coming up is the Marshall Invitational this week. There are four teams there kind of doing a round robin. All the times are, on uh, herd zone, I'll try to get those up. Katie, you talk a little bit while I'm getting those up about a our volleyball team. Actually, I got those. The most oh, okay. invitations going on Friday and Saturday, the 26th and 27th. Those four teams will, of course, be Marshall, then Evansville, South Carolina State, and Wright State. All the games for all the teams are listed on Herd Zone. But if you're exclusively wondering when Marshall is playing, they'll play Friday at 6 p.m., and then they'll play Saturday at 12.30 p.m., and then again at 6 p.m., if you just want to watch the herd, if you want to go watch the whole thing and just kind of come and go as you please, check in on a game, go have some lunch, come back, do that sort of thing. Games are going on all day from like 11 a.m. till the till the evening. So you could make a day out of it if you want, or you could catch a game, go have some lunch, come back and catch an evening game, whatever you kind of want to do. But it's pretty cool that the uh, volleyball squad is kicking off the season with our own host invitational tournament going on this weekend. And I have to tell you, they have a lot of the same kind of dynamic that the softball team had. There was a lot of fun being had by the players. And I can tell you from experience of my daughter going to that camp earlier this summer that they had that same type of energy 
that we love about the softball team. So uh, if you are in Huntington and looking for something to do this weekend, I strongly encourage you to go by there. There were quite a bit of fans at that game. I mean, make it part of your weekend, right? Yeah. It's, it's not that rough to, you know, if you're downtown anyway, go grab some lunch and swing in and watch a volleyball match for an hour and a half or whatever. And then, you know, go on about your day or maybe you'll find, hey, this was pretty fun. I think I'll yeah. stick around for a second or a third game or maybe we'll come back tomorrow and watch some of the final results of this uh, invitational. And you cannot beat the price. It's free. <laughs> hey, if it's, man, if you're in college, that's the saying, right? If it's free, it's for me. Yeah. All right, women's soccer uh, ended up uh, getting a late draw. Uh, they had to rally to do that against High Point on Thursday uh, to finish uh, a two-all game. And then yesterday's game, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, earlier today's game that I was at, they uh, drew against Akron, again, two to two. And they have that same energy as well. Uh, there was a lot of people there on Thursday. There are a lot of people there today. I ended up having to leave. There was a lightning delay and that kind of threw our schedule off. So, mm -hmm. uh, Caitlin and I went to the game and we ended up having to head back home to help the rest of the family with our regular routine on Sunday evenings. So at the end of all that, all I basically heard was we're still undefeated in the Sun Belt. We are undefeated. That, that's what I heard. Right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, o, so the, o and two. <laughs> undefeated. Undefeated. Uh, so, so the game against High Point, uh, goals scored by Kat Gonzalez and Morgan White. And then to earlier today, Sunday afternoon, in the game against Akron, goals again by Morgan White, who now obviously leads the team with two on the season, and Louisa Travasso. So uh, spreading, the, spreading the wealth around uh, – Three goals scores on those four goals for the women's soccer team. Next game is Thursday, the 25th at the Vet at 4 p.m. against Moorhead State. And then they'll have a second game before we record again, August 28th at the Vet against Ohio U in the women's soccer battle for the bell at 7 p.m. And don't forget, we have tickets to all these games that we give away. And I put tweets up all the time. All you got to do is retweet it. Just hit the button. If you want to go to the game, there's an opportunity for you to just win the tickets. Like yeah. that's, you know, we're not making this difficult. Just retweet it. And then we'll pick somebody to give the tickets to. If you can go, go. Uh, but please don't say you'll want them if you're not going to go to the game. We would like the tickets to be utilized. So if you're like, yeah, I'd go check out a soccer game. Give us a retweet. We want to give you some tickets. We want to get butts in the seats for these gals uh, over at the vet. Staying on the pitch, but switching over to the men, uh, men's soccer, uh, they will be playing Thursday at home. So right after the uh, women's game, there will be a slight little break and warm-ups, and then they will play their game at 715. Uh, that is the only game they'll be playing. We'll record another one before uh, they play their second game on the year. Talking about uh, a little bit of preseason in the Sun Belt, the coaches poll came out, and we are number two behind WVU. Boo. Yeah. I wonder uh, if they can keep those, you know, number one, number two rankings in the Sun Belt, uh, you know, until they play here at Marshall. That's going to be just another little added level to what's already going to be a packed house and uh, a great atmosphere to go to, no matter what their records are at that time. But I would like to see maybe them both come in undefeated just so we can 
smack that little smirk off their number <laughs> one. Hey, man, they might not be number. Well, that's preseason Sunbelt ranking, right? right? So, yes, you know, that that's going to endure no matter what, because that ranking's not going to change no sure. matter if they win games or we win games or whatever. But yeah, but I'm saying that right now we're thought of as number one and number two in the conference. And yeah, I would like to see our records still reflect that that could be argued when we're playing. Of course, I agree with that. And uh, yeah, yes, we will record another podcast before their second game on the 29th. But for tickets purposes, this is the one you need to pay attention to, right? Because we'll be, again, tweeting out your opportunity to win tickets to the men's soccer games as well. Women's soccer, men's soccer, all home games we have tickets for. So keep your eyes open for opportunities to win tickets uh thursday the 25th he said vcu is who the the herd will be playing right after the women's game uh i wouldn't bank on the fact that if you win the tickets for the women's game you'll get to keep sitting there for the men's game because somebody's going to get in with men's tickets for those seats so um no there's the same seats I know, but it's we got a, a, a barcode for the women's game and a barcode for the men's game. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, you might, you could probably stay in and move somewhere, but I wouldn't bank on the fact that you're going to get to maintain 102, row three, seats 25 and 26 or whatever they are. I, I don't see why you couldn't because they're our seats and we're giving them to the people. I mean, we're going to give them to that person for both games. Well, if you want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we should. And that way they have an entire evening of it. Well, there you go. So yeah. one person will win the tickets to the men's game and the women's game. Cave- caveat. If someone says, yes, I want to go to the women's game, but I, for whatever reason, cannot go to the men's, at that point, we'll give them away again. There you go. Just please go. If we yeah. give you the tickets, please go. Don't yeah. leave our seats empty. We want a packed house. That's the whole reason for doing this sort of thing. All right. Uh, where are we going next? Well, we are going to stay right on the pitch because I have more about preseason. Oh, okay. uh, there were four on the preseason all Sunbelt team, and that was Yosef, Simla, Alves, and Fernandez. Um, most of our fans are going to be very familiar with those names. Uh, kind of a foregone conclusion to me that they would be making that, you know, we have one of the dominant teams in the league. We have some of the best players in the league and we have four on the preseason, all tournament or all conference team. Awesome. I mean, you love to see that kind of stuff. I'm I'm glad that, you know, we're, we're coming in like, well, I mean, I, I, it's kind of lame to say we're coming in like a thundering herd here to the Sun Belt with men's soccer, but that's actually what we're doing. Top two preseason ranking, littering the all-conference team. I mean, let's go. Let's 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 bring another Sun Belt championship. Yeah, but we're we're eyeballing a natty, right? We're 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 eyeballing a big a big run at the big hardware. We're eyeballing a second star. We want we want all the marbles. I mean, a Sun Belt championship comes along with you know that that national championship you would like to think it's not a guarantee but you would like to think yeah but but pretty cool more awesome news out of uh out of the soccer program so going over to cross country they have released their schedule and it starts a lot earlier than you may realize first uh meet is september the 2nd i think September the 2nd up in Dayton, Ohio. They'll be at the Mike Bomber 
cross country classic then the september the 16th at virginia tech alumni invitational october the 1st louisville classic october 14th the falcon invitational in bowling green bowling green ohio i should say if anyone doesn't connect the dots that they're the falcons and then October the 29th is the Sunbelt Championships in Foley, Alabama. And then November the 11th is the NCAA Mid-Atlantic Regional at State College, Pennsylvania. And so that's they, that's your season. There you go. Quick and precise from yep. September to November, and you're done. All right. So this was a little bit of news that I didn't really, I missed it when it came out, but when I was going over the, all the stuff, this is very exciting news. Tennis is ranked eighth in mid majors for recruiting this year. Well, we talked about the uh, class that, uh, that they put together and a lot of international players and one local player, I think it was hurricane from hurricane. Yes. Um, but that's cool, man. I mean, it's uh, – I don't know – you know, I would be lying to you if I told you that, oh, yeah, we always rank in the top ten in mid-major recruiting. I don't know. But, for, you know, for, with my first go-around with kind of keeping track of this kind of thing, that's impressive to me. It is. That's impressive to me. Uh, it, it, it. I don't know if that's, you know, an anomaly or if that's something, like I said, that continues to happen every year, if this is something uh, that's – that the transition to a new conference is helping with or whatever it is, but that's just, that was welcomed like unforeseen news, you know, mm -hmm. cause this is not a program that I have historically paid a lot of attention to, but uh, as we start ourselves paying closer attention to all of our programs, when we learn about things like this, if you are like me, then you're like, wow, you know, that's the, I, I should I should know this kind of stuff. You know, you don't have to know every single player on the roster of every single team and every little thing that goes along. But that seems like the kind of eye-catching thing that you're like, oh, wow, our tennis team was eighth in recruiting? That We must have something going on there. Yep. So that was just cool when, when I saw that come across as, you know, on the uh, itinerary for the show. I missed that as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you find that, that found that. That was a neat find. That was a cool find. And I'm glad we get to share that with the fan base who – may not have known that occurred as well yeah i don't know how i missed it because i followed them on twitter and you know heard zone uh talked about it it i just i missed it well you know how it is man it's it's the algorithm right so if, if the tennis team tweets once a month i'm not i don't know what their frequency is but it's hard to see that kind of stuff you know mm -hmm. so um, but I'm glad we found it. It did not go unfound. We we found it and brought it out to everyone, and now they uh, everyone else that listens to us knows, hey, tennis team's got something going on too. Unless you have anything else, that's it for me for taking it around the herd. I do not have anything else. So with that, I would like to say, give me some parting words, some final words, and we'll get the heck out of here this week. All right. I tweeted this out, but I have to – tell the story for anyone that doesn't follow me on Twitter or didn't see that, but we're getting scooted through the line player after player. And I'm trying to make sure that my daughters are thanking the players for their time and giving their autographs. And they did it to every single player that I was able to see. So one of the players says, he notices my shirt and says, Hey, you're uh, one of the guys from the Thundercast, right? And I said, yeah. And, uh, and I thought because we had just done the offensive line, I thought I recognized him and I 
totally botched who it was. And I said, you're, you're Trent, right? He said, no. And I was, I panicked. I'm like, oh man, that's so, you know, and internally <laughs> I'm like, what a disrespect, I'm, you know? And, and I said, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm still trying to put the faces with the names and everything for all the players, you know, cause there's a lot of them. Yeah. And, and uh, I said, so who are you? And he said, Jack. And then I'm already sitting here. I'm not trying to run through the roster. I'm running here thinking about putting my foot in my mouth, an egg on my face by calling him the wrong name. And I was like, Jack who? And he said, Jack Murphy. And then I'm, I'm panicking again. And I was like, transfer. And he said, no. And I was like, gosh, (laughs) stop digging, man. (laughs) I know it was, I, I was dying right there. And, and I said, I am so sorry. And and I just, I, I apologize to him, but again, I want to throw a shout out. He follows us uh, yeah. on what we do and Jack, I am sorry. I am. I promise to know your face above anyone else's <laughs> now, now, but uh, it, it was nice to meet the players over there. A couple of them recognized us. Uh, a couple other people in the crowd recognized, uh, you know, because of what I was wearing. I don't mm-hmm. know that they recognized my, my face as much as they recognize the black thundercast shirt that i was wearing yeah that probably helps more since it's all audio yeah but hey you know jack uh if you are listening you have an open invitation to come on here and roast the ever-loving hell out of russ yeah anytime you want to because i believe you've earned it after the whole russ is repeatedly digging himself into but that's okay It, it happens man we so you know apologies are in order uh we'll do better the, yeah. Russ promises that's the only mistake he will ever make. <laughs> only mistake I will ever make on this show. <laughs> uh, no, I've got to say, I haven't said this in a couple of weeks, and I'd like to remind everybody to please go to the show's, uh, you know, your favorite podcasting outlet and subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything. Um, please leave, leave us a rating, a review. It just helps, you know, with the algorithm. It helps us get discovered by folks that may be searching for podcasts of the content that we're bringing and please take a second and just copy and paste the link and text it to a buddy or two because we found out even today that there are new listeners that found the show because a buddy texted the the link so that stuff works so please do that if you are um saying hey man i got found this marshall podcast i think you'll dig it check it out chances are somebody's going to listen and i'm betting you they're going to be like oh okay these guys aren't half bad we'll listen to them for a little while so please help us grow right we we want to continually do things like buying tickets and give them to you guys and and what helps us do that is growing our audience so help us help you help us get the information out there to more and more of the herd universe and until we can cover the entire internet kelly green and white and black and uh Game time is coming up really soon. I'm really getting excited about some of the things that we've got uh, going on. We we had an important, you know, meeting of the minds earlier to where we tried to iron out some more details leading into week one uh, with uh, Thundercast Live. It's, I, I mean, I just think it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really cool. And we're going to have a good time. I hope people are, you know, tuning in. Uh, I, I realize that if you're out tailgating, uh, and at the game, it's going to be rough for people to be, you know, live streaming because cell service is rough over around the stadium. But if you're not going to make it to the game, if you're an out-of-town fan 
and you're listening to us, or if you haven't, if you know some out of town fans that, that don't listen to us, now's a great opportunity to share the link so that they will know about Thundercast Live and they will get a little taste of her game day from a, a fan's perspective. That's what it's all about. So I'm really excited about being able to come to Huntington in a couple of weeks. Um, I'll be out and about, you know, most of the weekend, you know, taking photos and seeing things and you know i gotta go stock up on my new gear and all that kind of stuff because i, I gotta do that when i come to town it's you know I, there ain't much marshall stuff floating around tampa florida so you know i had a i had a lady in the smoothie king the other day say hey did you go to marshall and i said yeah and she said oh both of my parents went to marshall and you know we talked about that for a little while and 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 that was really cool that doesn't happen very often to me down here but we had a nice conversation and and I told her about the show and, and I said, tell your parents about it. You know, we talk about everything about herd athletics. We'll be able to get them right back up to speed. And, you know, she mentioned like, oh, they haven't been back to a game in years and years. And, you know, they were students when the plane crash happened. And, you know, I started telling her about, you know, all the things that Marshall does now to embrace that, like the 75 week game and, and the memorial helmets and all that kind of stuff. And she was really taken aback. And she's like, I am 100% certain that my dad has no idea that they do that kind of stuff. And I said, uh, you know, then maybe you should kind of suggest that they go check out a game. Uh, and, uh, she, you know, she, she said, yeah, I think they would probably enjoy that. I said, well, then, you know, make it happen for them. Put them in touch with us. We'll, we'll, we'll give them some details. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll help make that happen. Right. So it was pretty cool. That hasn't happened to me in the five years that I've lived down here. Only a handful of times has somebody talked Marshall with me. And that, that was, that was a pretty cool, but uh, thanks again to 304carwreck.com for uh, sponsoring the Thundercast and our guys, our pals, our buddies at Ignite Link for, also being a big part of what we are trying to do here and what we are going to be doing moving forward uh, by powering the Thundercast live production. It's a great time to be a herd fan. I hope everybody's getting really excited. There's a lot going on every single week. There's something coming out from athletic director, Christian Spears, that just adds to your excitement from being a herd fan. If you're paying even half attention to what's going on out of the athletic department you can't help but being excited and i'm really glad to be even in a small play a small part in help bringing that information to the masses so russ take us the heck out of here all right whether you see us at the cam whether you see us at the dot or whether you see us over at the joan in an ill-advised black t-shirt on a 90 degree day in the sweltering heat and then you go inside and dig a proverbial 50-foot hole by calling a player the wrong name no matter where you see us we're gonna be saying go herd go herd it's the thundercast we'll see you next week later <laughs>